As a change maker, you're dedicated to making a positive difference in the world. You love what you do and you're good at it. But here's the thing, with all the things on your plate, you may struggle with finding the right balance between work and having a fulfilling personal life. And as the world becomes more complex, it may seem change, disruption, and uncertainty have become new norms in your life and work. But it doesn't have to be this way. I'm Miko Marquette Whitlock, and I'm on a mission to help change makers like you improve your well being while increasing your well doing and changing the world without burning out. In every episode, my intention is simple to share practical wisdom about the inner and the outer work required to take care of yourself while building a better world, especially when it feels like work doesn't love you back. So let's get started. I have the privilege of being here today in the studio with Rachel Davis. She is the executive director and CEO of Greater Wealth Works, an economic development agency And among other things, they provide resources, training, and support for entrepreneurship and career pathways and personal investment. So wherever you are on your journey, when it comes to wealth building, when it comes to starting your your business or whether you're a small business or a larger business, they have resources and support that can support you along your journey. Rachel has been in economic development for 25 years prior to the work that she's been doing now. And it started all at a Spelman College entrepreneurial project in the 90s and later at Goodwill Industries before joining the organization that she's working at now, which is now known as Greater Wealth Works. She has a Bachelor of Arts degree in economics from Spelman College, my Spelman sister, Morehouse man here, and an MBA with a concentration in finance from Clark at Yale University. So between, I think the two of us, we have a, a, a large part of the Atlanta University Center uh, schools covered here between, yes. the, between the two of us. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. Absolutely. I, I, I love to hear from everyday change makers and how they're making a difference in the world. And I'm excited to be able to add your voice to that conversation. I know that you have lots of experience and lots of wisdom that you can share with the folks that are listening. And as we get started, I know I've given people a brief bio sketch of who you are, and that's like the formal mm-hmm. bio, but I really right. love to kick off these conversations by asking folks who they are in their own words, what they want folks to know. So I'm going to ask you this. So who is Rachel and what do you want the folks who are listening to know about you? So the interesting thing about my journey in this, I did study economics at Spelman College. I've always had an interest in business. I've always had an interest in finance, and I grew up in the Bronx in New York City. I had hardworking parents. My father actually worked and owned businesses, so that's where some of that interest in small business comes from, and understanding that could be a way out of poverty, and so that's Mm -hmm. where my interest in that. My mother uh, was a social worker. And I spent my summers working in the Department of Social Services and wondered why some people continuously, generation after generation, why are they struggling? Mm -hmm. And I knew that there was a better way. And a lot of it just had to do with lack of information and knowledge. And a lot of that kind of shaped my view of the world and my interest in the work that I ended up doing. 
I fell into this work by accident. And I mean, no, it wasn't by accident. It, 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 it was intentional in that this is what spoke to me and what yes. was important to me and, my, and it aligned with my interests. I, I call myself the unconscious activist, meaning I don't think I deliberately set out to do this because in all the years that I've worked in this field of economic development, I was fine being the second in command, the person behind the scenes, creating the programs, working directly with people. And then I got thrust into being the leader of the organization I'm running today. And that was an important shift for me and it was necessary. It was necessary for my evolution in kind of having real effect and change on how I want to help and serve people. And sometimes in this journey, you have to play different roles. Sometimes the role is you are in the background or you're the you're on the sidelines, or sometimes you have to be the one stepping up front, or you have to be the one making the noise. And so I think that's probably where I am today in my journey in all of this. And it hasn't been easy, but I appreciate the experience and what I'm learning in the process. So I love that in a nutshell. <laughs> if I were to thread the needle a little bit, so I'm hearing unconscious activists, yes. but from a very young age, exposed to entrepreneurship as a pathway for making it, right? Making out of poverty. Yes. Yes. And on the other end of it, you saw poverty through mm -hmm. the lens of the work that the, the interning you did with your mom and in, in the social service agency. Yes. And it sounds like you connected the two, right? You, yes. You're gonna use entrepreneurship to help people address the the challenges that they're dealing with in their life to give them a pathway for addressing right. those challenges and right. I love what you shared too for folks that are listening because oftentimes when we have these conversations sometimes it, it can feel like the folks who are doing the front-facing work are the folks that get highlighted right they're the folks that right. get celebrated but what Absolutely. I love about what you shared is that you being front-facing is relatively new in your career. You've been behind the scenes, right? Making mm -hmm. things work, making sure the trains are uh, moving on time and all those things. And you have reluctantly stepped into this front-facing role because you recognize it's another way for you to make a, a difference and make an impact. So from that place, let me ask you this question about your, the start of your journey. So mm -hmm. I love to ask this question about your first real job ever. How are you define real? Uh, but okay. I always find it fascinating to understand where people started on their journey so that we can connect the dots between that and where you are now. So I heard you talk a little bit about the work you did with your mom in, in the Department of Social Services. So was that mm -hmm. your first real experience? Working? Yes, that was actually my first real work experience. I was a sophomore in college and Every summer, I, and I, I went to school in, at Spelman College in Atlanta, but I grew up in New York City. So I would go back home every summer and I needed to work. And so my, there was an opportunity to work in the industry of the field where my mother worked. 
And every summer I would spend working in the Department of Social Services, people needing benefits or housing or they're displaced. And I got to interface with people and understand people end up where they end up, not necessarily because of their own choices. Sometimes things Mm. happen and lack of knowledge and information or mindset keeps them there. And I knew that there was another way. The, The Department of Social Services, those agencies exist to help people with immediate needs, but they're not focusing on what's the change, what's the long-term solution to, so I don't end up here. That's what I wanted to figure out is how do we move people from here to where they really want to be? Support is needed. Absolutely. We all need it at some point in our lives at different times, but how do I not end up here? How do I not have my next generation end up here? That's the solution. Yes. We want to we don't want to just address the immediate need. Let's find an answer to the long-term problem. Yes. And I and love that's how I yeah. ended up here. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's such a beautiful path that you've taken and I love that for, for folks that are listening so we're all change makers here in the, in this community. And so there are a couple of nuggets there. So one in terms of the folks that we're helping. So many of us we work in or on behalf of the nonprofit sector the nonprofit sector in large part of the need for that is to fill the gap, right? That is left by other sectors. So there's a role for all the sectors. So this is the role that specifically your nonprofits play. And I love that you talk about the fact that the folks that we're helping, that we're supporting, uh, don't necessarily choose their circumstances and they aren't defined by their circumstances, but there might come a time where people actually have an immediate need. And there are lots of wonderful organizations that do a wonderful job of meeting that immediate need. But what I also hear you saying is that there's also a space for us to think about beyond that immediate need, how do we support people beyond that, right? And that is where the work that you're doing now comes into play. And so I'm wondering if, can you take us forward to where you are now, what does it mean when you say that you are the CEO and executive director of Greater Wealth Works? What does that look like day to day in terms of the work that you all are doing, specifically the work that you're doing in guiding the organization? Right. So I think one of the the big things and the most important thing is community, collaboration and partnerships, like with those agencies that are on the front line, that are solving those immediate needs, those emergent problems that have to be taken care of. And then I want to be their partner in that, let me help those that you've helped move them to another place. So collaboration, being clear and intentional about how do I support the work in perpetuity? It's wonderful to be a change maker, but I can't do this by myself. Mm. I want to not just, I can't just be the face of the organization has to take on a life and a purpose beyond me. I'm in the role, but I have a purpose in that I need to make this exist and still be here when Rachel has moved on to do something else. 
And I think that's very important. And that's the space that I'm in right now is that collaboration, partnership, capacity, building resources that can feed and support the work ongoing and really encouraging community. We can't, I think sometimes we want to save the world as the single superhero. (laughs) That sounds all well and good, but the reality is that you don't really want to do this alone. You have more of an opportunity to have a long-term change and effect when you are doing it in community and support of others. Yes. We can go further together. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's really where I'm trying to go with this is, is building the partnerships and the relationships. I'm looking at new ways to just in the community, philanthropy community of how we raise money and how yes. we get people involved in supporting the work that it's not just, hey, you're donating to solve a problem, but you're supporting the work that helps the community at large and really getting that message out there. I'm putting in place and I have in place different partnerships and relationships that actually help the businesses that I'm serving, helping them save money, helping them find ways to generate more revenue. And then at the same time, those partnerships, relationships generate revenue that support the work. Yes. So and, those, and, that's one of the things. Yeah. And, and I, what I love about that is, is that you easily could have just given us a rundown of sort of the, here are the programs here today today, right? Yeah. And so at, at the large, at the, at the high level, we understand that you're providing capacity building support for the folks that are coming through your doors, entrepreneurship and investment is one of the pathways that you're using to support people. Right. But I also hear you talking about purpose, right? And purpose mm-hmm. beyond just Rachel, CEO, executive director, but purpose in terms of what does this entity that you're leading look like? And I hear you voicing the importance of partnership and the voicing the importance of collaboration and community and relationship building. And on the philanthropy side, it sounds like you're not just asking people to write a check but you want people to be really invested in the mission and in the people that you're serving. So maybe clarify a little bit. So Greater Wealth Works is a nonprofit organization, right? Yes, it is a nonprofit organization. That's correct. For folks that might be wondering and feel like there's a disconnect. So you're a nonprofit organization, but you're helping folks that presumably I'm assuming have for-profit businesses. Can you maybe Mm -hmm. describe why that is the case and what is the importance of you being able to, through Grady Wealth Work, help people build successful mm-hmm. businesses? And so the organization was founded initially to move people out of poverty with self-employment or small business ownership as the pathway to, to achieving that. And that is a big part of what we still do. When I changed the name to Greater Wealth Works, that capacity expanded to look at different ways of how people need to find long-term financial sustainability. In some instances, they might need to work, find a good paying job, and then maybe the business is a side hustle. 
they may need to be looking at how do I develop and grow myself financially in terms of eliminating debt and building assets? What do I do with the business once I've grown it to capacity? Is it really an asset or is it just barely feeding me? We really want to focus more on the long-term financial sustainability of the individual. And so that would mean building a really successful business if that's your pathway or finding the right career through skills development and maybe I have a passive income business. Looking mm -hmm. at, do I have life insurance? Do I own my home? Do I have retirement? Those are all the other things that we're looking at. And that's really what our purpose is about. We also help people that have nonprofit businesses. But ultimately, mm -hmm. what we're looking at is how are you, as the individual how are you making your way in this world financially? And yeah. so what is sustaining you? Is that a business? Is it a career? Is it a combination of those things? Mm -hmm. Are you an investor? That's really what we do. And it's all about finding the right pathway. Yeah, and I think that Excuse really me. helps us get a clearer picture. Yes. You, you talk about, so it sounds like you all have a holistic approach to the individual and really building community, I should say, one really one individual at a time. Sounds like that's right. part of the the work that you all are doing. And so whether it's you have a nonprofit organization and you're trying to get off the ground, you need support, whether you have a business, or whether you're just like, I need to know what the next thing is next for me right. in terms of my career. Can you all help me with that? I'm not really interested in the business, but can you all help me with right. getting some skills to go into this field that I might be interested in? I think that it's such an important part of the ecosystem of our work that we provide and a, a great compliment to the safety net that you talked about in terms of what traditional social services agencies do and the, and the important need that they meet. So something struck me in terms of what you shared is that one of the reasons that you are offering these different pathways is so that people don't mm -hmm. feel like they are a failure if they don't fit yeah. into simply just one, one lane, right? Mm -hmm. One prescribed lane. And I guess my question is about how you stay inspired and motivated. Uh, sometimes when mm -hmm. we're looking at social media, people are posting the highlights, yes. right? And, but we know that there's stuff that goes on in between and behind the scenes. Oh, yes. And I imagine even on your journey, just even in this, if you take just a snippet of transforming and shifting the organization to focus more broadly in the way that you described it here, um, mm -hmm. I imagine there have been some setbacks, right? There have been, there have been, oh, some, yeah. there have been some disappointments. So how do Absolutely. you stay inspired and motivated when you run up against that? I, I and this, and it's not easy because it is, it takes work to do this, but you have to, in the midst of challenge, chaos, problems, whatever that those, cause those things come, those pop up, you have to stay grateful. So gratitude is important. Focus on what is good, what is going well. Celebrate small wins. We immediately forget those when something isn't going the way we want. We focus on the problem. 
Mm. We need to, of course, address the problem, find a solution for it, but you need to also look at it in terms of, is this just a distraction? Is this something that needs the amount of energy I'm giving it and not allow it to consume or, or derail you from where you're trying to go? And don't allow the problem or the challenge to define you as a person or that taking it personal or making it feel like I failed in some way. Some things don't work out, but that has nothing Mm. to do with who you are as a person. Mm. What can I learn from that? Maybe this experience was necessary as a part of my journey. Maybe it wasn't, but don't internalize it. I think that's, and that, that can be difficult to do, but the way you, I guess, keep yourself grounded is you also got to have the right people around you. That's so important. You have to be very careful and conscious about who is in your immediate circle, Yes. right? So you have people that are sounding boards. They're just going to listen and let you vent. Then you have people that are going to give you the kick in the pants that you need. Hey, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. Stay focused. You need to do this. Then you have others that will pray with you, cry with you, motivate you. You have to have those people in your life and you have to be that for someone else Mm. also. That's important. It's, that's a reciprocal Mm -hmm. thing that you, you got to give, you know, what you're expecting to get back, so to speak. There's so much gold in what you just shared. And I just want to start with um, the first part, which is, it sounds like there's an acknowledgement of whatever the challenge or the difficulty is, whatever the failure is, right? Right. And that you are not that thing. You are not that thing. And I'm making a connection between this and what you shared about the folks that you work with at the social service agency, how the language you used was very interesting to me because you you described it as people aren't necessarily making a choice about where they are in that moment they they things happen and they they're there for support in that immediate need and they're not their circumstance right right it's it's interesting how you bring that forward to your own strategy for how you deal with adversity which is recognizing that you are not that thing and finding your way to gratitude wherever you are and then Yeah. And so I think that's so critically important. And then you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people. And I think this goes back to something you said earlier, which is uh, don't try to save the world by yourself, right? Yeah. (laughs) Get your partners, get your collaborators and so on board. But in in this personal practice you talk about, it's it's like you, you, so your organization has a board or board of directors. What you're saying is you need to get your own personal board of directors that you can convene with right? Yes. And have conversation with and get feedback from yes. and get the support that you need. And it sounds like it's, it's a two-way street. So it's not that you're just taking, right? But mm-hmm. to, to, there's an ebb and flow of give and take. So you're, you're getting support, but then you're also stepping up to be of support. And I think that Absolutely. is important. And I, I, I think what you just shared here, just in this snippet is, I think, gold for some of the folks that are listening that just need to know that they're not alone in this, number one. Mm -hmm. And that number two, that some of the ways in which you are are staying inspired and motivated, it sounds like it's, you know, very simple. Like the the idea of just having your own personal group of folks that you're just connecting with on a regular basis and able to vent, like something as simple as that 
it sounds like it's very powerful um, for you. Yes, that has helped me through <laughs> the most difficult times, and I'm thankful for those people. Yeah. All right, it's time for a break. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsors. Changemakers like you are driven to do more and more, often with fewer and fewer resources. But there comes a breaking point where your passion dwindles under the weight of pressure, the mission suffers, and you feel like you love the work more than it loves you back. That's why I wrote the book, How to Thrive When Work Doesn't Love You Back, a practical guide for taking care of yourself while changing the world, with a forward by Beth Cantor, author of The Happy, Healthy Nonprofit. This book is a succinct, practical, and action-based guide for changemakers seeking to make an impact without burnout. Learn more and order your copy at mindfulchangemaker.org slash books. That's mindfulchangemaker.org slash books. The reality is if you really want to make a difference, you must start by taking time for yourself right now because you can't change the world if you're not around long enough to make that happen. This isn't about working harder and smarter. It's about making a commitment to work differently so you can take care of yourself while making an impact for the long haul. In How to Thrive and Work Doesn't Love You Back, I share practical strategies grounded in the well-being while well-doing change framework. And I wrote this book after experiencing more than my fair share of burnout and overwhelm in the name of saving the world during my previous career in government and nonprofit work. I share what I've learned to be the most impactful strategies for my personal practice and my experience helping change makers around the world just like you create lasting balance in their lives. These are the same strategies I teach teams and organizations through my live trainings, self-paced courses, coaching programs, and tools like the Intention Planner. Each chapter has a summary of key ideas and a checklist of practices you can start implementing right away. I know you need practical strategies and resources to help you create sustained balance in your life and work so you can lower your stress level and focus on getting the important things done right now. So, this book isn't about theoretical concepts. It's about what to do and how to do it. Learn more and order your copy at mindfulchangemaker.org books. That's mindfulchangemaker.org book. All right, let's get back to our conversation. Let me ask you this, sort of diving a little bit deeper into this. I want to talk about the topic of work-life balance. So I recognize that is a a term that not everyone agrees with is yeah. how we think about it. But I like to use that because we have a shared understanding. When we say that word, people understand what we mean. Right. To that point, how do you balance the demands of your professional life with mm-hmm. your life outside of this? Right. And I know that, and just yeah. as a setup for this, if you're okay with this, I would love to to for you to take us back to as you were going through this transition with Greater Wealth Works. If you're comfortable sharing what your what you were dealing with outside of work as you oh, were going through this, yes. Ironically, when I make the decision to take over the organization, my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, mm. and I and she was living with me. And so I ended up becoming her primary caretaker. When I say extraordinarily challenging, I can't even put into words how challenging that was. And I was grateful really for the opportunity to serve her 
in the way that I was able to, even through her transition, she transitioned in uh, early 2021. But I was grateful for the opportunity to, one, being the leader of the organization, it allowed me to control my destiny in terms of how I was working and managing my mom because I was in charge. And so I could control how my time was spent. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I also, because it was also during COVID, I was working from home. I was able to at least be there. I had help with supporting my mother with outside help, but I wasn't far away. And so that alleviated some of my anxiety. And I, I think the big thing really is you do have to be able to turn off and shift. Like when it's time for work, it's time for work. But when it's time to disconnect, really, truly unplug and disconnect. I used to go mm -hmm. for walks in the park. There's a caregiver watching my mom. Because you also have to have time for yourself. Yes. You have to have time to just process or not process. That is so important because otherwise you just stay in this continuous loop of worry, work, shifting from one thing to the next. And if you don't ever find the time to separate and disconnect from things so that you can just get quiet and still and peaceful and grateful, yes, there might be a whole bunch of crazy going on, but you yes. still have to do that. Because otherwise you stay in the swirl of crazy. And, yes. and what I mean by that is when you can disconnect from something, you can rise above it and see yes. yourself separate from the chaos. That's yes. what I think, ironically, going through that at the same time, that's what I learned. What Would not have expected that, but that's what I got from it. And I can say that now looking at it from from the rear view mirror now, going through it is one thing. I've gone through that and I can tell you that it helped me learn how to manage things that I didn't think that I could. So it taught me I, a lot about myself. So I, I want to talk about that particular point about the things that you learn in terms of managing life. But before we do that, first of all, I want to thank you for sharing Oh, right. sure. Yes. There are so many folks that have similar situations, right? Mm -hmm. In your case, you're dealing with your mom with dementia, folks listening, fill in the blank with whatever your, your thing is, right? Yeah. Everybody has a thing. Everybody right? has a thing. Everybody has a thing. So if you fill in the blank with your thing. So I want to ask you about, I guess, flexibility inside the organization in terms of folks that you manage. So you mentioned that as executive director, Obviously, you had the autonomy that perhaps someone at a different level than organization might not have had. And folks might be listening, mm -hmm. might be saying, okay, that's good for you. Like you, you're right. that, you had that autonomy. That's great. But yeah. what about me? I don't have that autonomy. So can you talk about how, if at all, mm -hmm. you extended this same type of flexibility to your team and how you yes. all were able to work together and still work together in the current iteration of the organization? Right. Well, and I think it's because I've been in the role of not being in charge. I've mm. been the coworker, the employee, and I understand the, the circumstances. And so I have empathy mm. 
when someone is put in that same situation and may feel like, hey, I don't have the ability or the flexibility. But I, because I understand that, I give it grace because I've been in that place before. And I think mm. understanding what it's like to be in someone else's shoes allows you to, I guess, be fair in, yes. in how you deal and how you allow people to function. Yes. And is that a formal, do you all have a formal policy? Is it a case by case thing? I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about other folks that are listening that are wondering, yeah. how can I do this for my team or for my organization? Right. It's a policy that, you know, because our our work is somewhat flexible in terms of when and how we serve people. And okay. it it's more of a team effort in how things get done. If someone has to take like an extended leave of time, then we will work that out and then we'll find another way to fill in the gaps. I would rather, you know, especially if someone is a great contributor team player, I don't want to lose that person. Yes, the work still needs to get done, but let's find a way that still supports the organization for sure, because we don't want to just extend the leeway in, in just any circumstance. But for sure, when it's an immediate family member um, and that's impacting that person's ability to do their job, then we don't want them to have to stress about that. Yes. Yeah. I appreciate you you sharing that. So it sounds like you all have two things to take away from that. One, you have a team-based approach yes. to doing things. And I suspect that part of that approach has to do with the fact that you've worn so many hats inside of organizations, right? Yes. And so you understand the value of sharing the load. It, it makes everyone stronger, right? In terms of if I know what you're working on, you know what the other person's working on, we're collaborating not only does it make us stronger in terms of how we're serving, but it makes us stronger in terms of if someone needs to take away, take time away, step back, whatever it is, it makes it easier to fill in that gap because you already have that embedded as part of the culture. Yes. And then the second thing I'm hearing is that it sounds like there's a, a mindset around being agile and being flexible. Yes. Yes. You're purpose-driven. You understand that you have a mission to meet, but it sounds like there's flexibility in meeting that, which yes. is, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you, as we wrap up this segment on work-life balance, to go back to the things you learned about how to simply manage, and let's just focus on the tactical, right? What, what are some tactical mm -hmm. things that you can share with folks in terms of what you learned you're going through this transition with Greater Wealth Works. You're also simultaneously, you have your mom with you that you're taking care of. What tactical things actually work really well for you that you can share for the audience? Yes. And, and this is really what I've learned working with you and using the intention planner and being very specific about what are my goals, especially and over the next 90 days, what Let's not think about a year from now. <laughs> what am I trying to accomplish in the next 90 days? Mm. And then being deliberate and having activities and a schedule and being consistent about, because when you have that, the distractions, they're going to come, but they don't take you far as far off. Because I know 
this is what I'm working on. I know that's going on, but this is what I'm working on right now. These, this is yes. what my focus is. That's just a distraction. And you can see yes. it and distinguish it from that. I think initially yes. when I first took the role, yeah, there was all kinds of stuff going on, but I'm looking at the fire. I'm looking at the tornado. I'm looking at which, which thing. <laughs> I need to put the fire out first. I'll be with the tornado second and prioritizing. But when you are very clear about what you need to be working on a consistent basis, that keeps you moving closer and closer to where you're trying to go as yes. opposed to only addressing problems yes that's what I was doing initially when I first took the job was just I'm just looking at fire after problem after and that's all mm -hmm. I can think about yes I had overall bigger goals that I'm still trying to accomplish I'm like gosh how am I gonna how, how am I gonna do that you got to recognize which things are distractions how much energy you give something <laughs> is where you're going to make that grow. Do I want to feed this problem or do I want to focus on the solution? Yeah. Let me focus on the solution. The problem will eventually solve, may solve itself, may just diminish. Maybe somebody else can help solve it, but don't mm -hmm. give all your energy to that. Yes. I think that's with that consistency being very deliberate and intentional about what am I working on? And if you can't, it's okay. I didn't do what I said I was going to do this week. Then get to it on the next week or get to it the next day, but keep mm -hmm. working towards it. Yes. And eventually it will kick in and it'll become how you function. Yes. And I'm hearing in what you just shared that. So early when you talked about how you work with your staff, giving flexibility with grace one of the things i heard you share it sounds like part of that is giving yourself that same grace as you are figuring things out and it sounds like if based on way, the way you described it it's, it's like there's an acknowledgement that things might be messy yes and that that's okay and right? that's perfectly okay yes so let me ask you about this so we dive a little bit deeper into the work that we've done together and i i want to ask you we work together as you know you are a coaching client you mentioned mm -hmm. using the intention planner and i do want to talk about the work that we've done with training for the your the people that you serve but yes i remember clearly when we were doing coaching one of the things that was an aha moment for you was accepting the idea of a non-linear work day and what i mean by that is that for, yes. for folks that are in the social sector much of the work that we do is not necessarily a traditional nine to five type work, right? And depending on your work style, depending on how things are set up, depending on how you're collaborating with folks, there might be things that you need to do outside of that window. Maybe you have to run errands during the nine to five window and then do things outside of that. Yes. But I remember one of the things that stressed you out was like, you felt yes. like you, you weren't, you felt like you weren't being a good executive director because you were going to the grocery store doing yes. the day, or because you were talking to your dad who had an issue you had to deal with your dad but then yes. you were you were working at night and early in the morning so I, I couldn't understand like where the confusion was can you talk about that <laughs> yes I I think what it was is I felt guilty because I felt I wasn't following my the traditional 
nine to five work schedule. I said, but I don't work that way anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I was beating myself up about not doing what I thought mapped to, this is the way you're supposed to get this done or get it accomplished. But I was getting a lot of stuff done. And I think you gave me permission to give myself permission rather to say that's okay. It's okay that you can take, you need to take care of an heiress. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. As long as I'm accomplishing my goals and objectives as I had set out to do, then I have done the right thing. So that, yes, that is very important to understand your work style. It's the same as needing to work, move out, work your body. Are you a morning person? Do you want to get up, get it done first thing in the morning? I hate getting up early. (laughs) Do you want to do it in the middle of the day? Do you have the flexibility to do that? Does that work better for you? That's okay. Mm -hmm. You want to do something late in the evening? Mm -hmm. That's okay. And I think that's what you have to find what works for you. That's why knowing who you are is so important and what works and doesn't work for you. That way Mm -hmm. you don't feel like you're not doing something right. You might not be doing something right as it is for you. You just have to figure out what that is. And what I thought was so interesting about us working together on this particular challenge is you already had a schedule that was working for you. So when you described to me your schedule. Yeah. And you described to me like what you were accomplishing. I was like, I don't really see the issue. And so that the really the big <laughs> thing for you was just Permission. shifting your mindset to say, oh, this is my schedule and this is okay. This is okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely learned that. Is there anything else you want to share uh, in terms of just overall, in terms of the impact? that you personally have had in terms of our work together and with the intention planner that we haven't already covered? I think we touched on, actually touched on a number of different things, but I, I think probably the biggest takeaway should be is um, self-awareness and understanding what motivates you, what distracts you, what you need in terms of support. When you're clear about those things, it makes it easier to manage when something is difficult or, or challenging for you to deal with. That, that's how you can make it work if you have those tools. Yes, and yeah. the, the thread I'm hearing for this point and also for what you've shared throughout the interview is, sounds like there are a couple of, a few ingredients that are really meaningful and impactful for you. And that includes this piece around awareness, this piece around clarity of purpose or clarity of intention and the support, right? Not trying to do it all yourself, uh, but making yourself available for support, asking for support, asking for help. One last question I'll ask you in terms of mindful techie. I'm not sure if you remember, but we did a class called the Calm Business class for mm-hmm. a number of the folks that you all served. I think this is maybe before you all were officially Greater Wealth Works. I, I can't yeah. remember. Okay. Yes. Um, but this is when you probably were exclusively serving entrepreneurs and myself and a colleague came in and we did a training. I wonder if you can speak to what, if any impact that might've had for, for you and for the, the organization and for the folks that you all were serving at that time. I think 
And this is actually something we want to continue doing because this was new for a lot of the folks that we work with, really being more intentional and focused. And, and actually this is part of the evolution to Greater Wealth Works is that whole work-life balance in the business, understanding who they are as an entrepreneur. It's okay that you're really not the CEO. <laughs> you could just be the idea person. Yes. No, and this is the same things for myself, that whole noise versus noise and distraction versus mm -hmm. this is what I really got to work on. Yes. I think that was, those are some of the big takeaways and that allows you or the individual to be a better business owner, a better business person when they can effectively do those things. Awesome. We definitely appreciate the opportunity to be able to share and um, are always thrilled when people find value and an impact in what we're sharing. And I also want to just put out there that I, I thought it was, and I still think that it, it's awesome that yeah. we're able to have those kinds of conversations in the context of, of business yes. and not just be about just the business plan and right. how much money you're bringing in, but also like, how are you? Let's start there. Like, how are you as a business owner? And what do you need? <laughs> what do you need? <laughs> exactly. So this has been a wonderful conversation. I've appreciated you making time and sharing your energy, sharing your wisdom, sharing your light with the folks that are listening. Can you tell us yes. what is next for Rachel? Right now, as I had mentioned earlier, my, my objective is to focus on the perpetuity of the organization. And Rachel's, as I evolve in that process, because eventually at some point I will shift out of this role, which is fine. And I still will, haven't decided yet fully, and I, and I think I've shared this with a friend about possibly getting involved in politics, believe it or not, because I, I am, I, I really am like a activist change maker that speaks to my heart. And as I continue to evolve in this journey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever, I don't think ever officially retire, but I still want to have an impact in helping the community, helping people. So we'll see what that looks like in, in the future. I appreciate the journey and being able to serve in different capacities and different roles. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being the behind the scenes person. And now I'm okay with yeah. being the front facing person as well. Yeah. I'm good. Either way. Yes. Yeah. And I love that. And I love that you, when I asked this question, the way that you shared, you weren't coy about what was next and you were okay with, I'm going to do my best, the best I can to leave this organization better than I found it, but I might move on to something else. Right. As opposed to, I think what we traditionally see is people are reluctant to let go because, it, because their identity is bound up. Right. Right. And I'm I, the right person for this period of time. I may yes. not be forever. Yes. I know that. <laughs> uh, how often do you hear that though? Like how often do you hear <laughs> I, I appreciate you sharing that. And hopefully that can be an, an impetus for people decoupling those two things and recognizing that you can love your work. You can want the best for your organization and recognize that that doesn't mean that you have to be there forever, running right. yourself into the ground, burning yourself out in, exactly. in service of the organization. For folks that have enjoyed this, they want to learn more about you, learn more about your organization, where can they go to learn more and stay connected? 
Yes. So you can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn as Greater Wealth Works. Our website is greaterwealthworks.org. We were formerly known as the Edge Connection, but we are now Greater Wealth Works. And uh, we look forward to serving you. Thank you for this opportunity today. Excellent. Thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast. Rachel, what an awesome interview. Thank you for sharing your time, your energy, and your light. For the folks that are listening, we look forward to seeing you and sharing energy with you on the next episode of the Mindful Changemaker podcast. I want to take a moment to tell you about a live virtual program to help changemakers like you take better care of yourself while creating a positive impact in the world. It's a live virtual two-day interactive experience designed to help you increase your well-being so you can increase your well-doing. This retreat focuses on practices and strategies connected to the change framework for well-being while well-doing from my latest book, How to Thrive When Work Doesn't Love You Back. The framework addresses the U.S. Surgeon General's five essentials for workplace mental health and well-being. Learn more at mindfulchangemaker.org retreat. Again, that's mindfulchangemaker.org retreat. During the retreat, we tackle the inner work of things such as guilt about not being able to always get it all done, fear of setting boundaries, the anxiety of imposter syndrome, and adjusting to the world of hybrid work, among other things. We'll also tackle the outer work of things such as setting intentional goals, effective priority setting, especially when everything seems urgent and important, setting and protecting boundaries, and making space to rest and recharge in a sustainable way. When you sign up, you get support from a community of smart, heart-centered change makers just like you, and also one year of unlimited access to video lessons, handouts, and an invitation to return to any of the live monthly retreat sessions we host. Learn more at mindfulchangemaker.org retreat. That's mindfulchangemaker.org retreat. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dear Mindful Changemaker podcast. Are you ready to finally prioritize your well-being so you can increase your impact in changing the world? Join the Mindful Changemaker community and take the next step on your journey to increase your well-being while well-doing. It's 100% free when you join at mindfulchangemaker.org slash join. Again, that's mindfulchangemaker.org slash join. Until next time, I'm Miko Marquette Whitlock. Take it one intentional moment at a time. Thank you.